MSW Media. Thanks so much to Dame for supporting the Daily Beans. Get 10% off your first order at dameproducts.com when you use promo code DAILYBEANS. That's 10% off your first order at dameproducts.com when you use promo code DAILYBEANS. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, May 9th, 2022. Today, a January 6th defendant who chased Officer Goodman is cooperating with the 1-6 committee. The judge in the Durham case says there's no grand conspiracy involving Sussman Fusion GPS and the Clinton campaign. The 1-6 committee has narrowed the scope of emails it's seeking from John Eastman. And methinks Republicans doth protest too much about the SCOTUS leak of the Roe decision. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hi, Dana. Hello. How was your weekend? Did you have a nice Mother's Day, et cetera, et cetera? I, my weekend was great. I did a gala for an AIDS foundation in Dallas. It's called DIFA, and they actually distribute to 22 other organizations that support HIV health and education, as well as homeless LGBTQ youth. And I raised another $300,000. So, and my jokes hit. And I looked amazing because it was this really fun fashion show. And so they did my hair and makeup and I, it was fun. I saw your tall, tall hair. hair. Yeah, I saw tall it. hair. That's right. <laughs> Taller the hair, the closer to whatever the hell you believe. Unless <laughs> so, you're in the church of Satan and you have to have really short hair. Yeah, there you go. Because, you know, hell is literally below us. Indeed. But a happy belated Mother's Day to everyone listening and all of the fathers who did double duty. I see you. And to all my non-binary folks, happy Parents Day. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And also, we see you if you had a kind of a toxic, shitty relationship with your mother. It can be a tough day. Indeed. So yes. sending love to pretty much everyone all the time, but it can be especially difficult on certain holidays. So we see you too. Right. Today, I'm going to be talking to the host of the Care Talk podcast, Laura Packard. We're going to talk a little bit about Roe. And so something funny that happened to me today, trying to put my calendar together and schedule this show. I had a flight booked to come home from Jazz Fest today. I was going to go to Jazz Fest this year because I was going to take the week off. That fell through, but I couldn't get the flights off my calendar because I am tech deficient. And so I actually just added an event to my calendar so my organizers could see it that I don't have any flights today. So now I have extra things in my calendar to say that I don't have those <laughs> things in my calendar. That's very funny. So I just thought I'd put that out there uh, in the universe uh, and so that everybody knows that about me. Okay. We do have a lot of news, actual news to get to. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, so the judge in the Durham-Sussman case has denied Durham's request. And if you remember, Durham was appointed by Barr to investigate the oranges of the Trump-Russia investigation. And so this judge has denied Durham's request to enter some emails into evidence because, quote, while special counsel, Durham, has proffered some evidence of a collective effort to disseminate the purported link between Trump and Alpha Bank to the press and others, the contours of this venture and its participants is not entirely obvious. The special counsel is correct that co-conspirators need not know all the details of the plan or even possess the same motives, but co-conspirators must have at least a shared common goal. 
to enter into evidence the emails Durham is asking the court to consider would require finding during trial that this broader uncharged conspiracy exists and that Sussman and the authors of the emails were part of it. It would then require an individualized determination of whether the specific statements contained within these emails were made in furtherance of that conspiracy. Because no conspiracy is charged in the indictment, this undertaking would essentially amount to a second trial of a non-crime conducted largely for the purpose of admitting other acts as evidence of Sussman's motive rather than his commission of the singular and narrow crime with which he has been charged. Let me give you an AG translation. Yes, please. Durham might have a point that there was a collective effort to get the Trump Alpha Bank info to the press and the FBI. But in order for there to be a criminal conspiracy, all the parties have to share a common goal. And that's not the case here. The emails Durham wants to introduce would require determining there was a conspiracy. And since you didn't charge one, and even if you could prove there was a conspiracy, which you can't, all these emails would do is show motive for a non-crime and not whether or not he lied to the FBI. So even shorter translation, what Clinton Fusion GPS Jaffe and the researchers did is not a crime. There's no conspiracy and Sussman's motives are moot because you're charging him with lying and not a conspiracy because there is no conspiracy. So fuck off with your pointless conspiracy theories. (laughs) (sighs) That's fun. I like when you do that. Thanks. And uh, we're going to go into this more with real life lawyer Andrew Torres on Wednesday's cleanup on aisle 45 pods. So tune into that. Sounds good. Thank you, A.G. All right. Greg Rubenacker, who joined January 6th mob that chased Capitol Police officer the hero, Eugene Goodman, has become the first known defendant facing assault charges to cooperate with lawmakers investigating the attack. And that's from court filings. In a memo pleading for leniency from Judge Beryl Howell, Rubenacker says he spent several hours interviewing with the January 6th Select Committee investigators, although he doesn't indicate when. He says this is one of several ways he has taken responsibility and shown remorse for his conduct. His attorney is asking Howell to sentence him to a year of home confinement. Bullshit. <laughs> but prosecutors say Rubenacker deserves much harsher, I agree, punishment, noting that he exhibited aggressive and violent behavior toward Goodman and other officers. He joined a line of rioters pushing against police as they attempted to clear the rotunda. And he ultimately swung a water bottle that hit an officer in the helmet. And that's according to photos and videos of the attack. Now, Ruben Acker pleaded guilty without a plea deal to 10 charges, including felony counts of civil disorder, obstruction of Congress and assault. The Justice Department is seeking a 46 month prison term. Now, prosecutors say Goodman's quick thinking prevented the mob, with Ruben Acker included, from reaching senators before they evacuated from the Capitol. And we all saw that. He was at the top of the stairs and he actually got the mob to go the other direction as they were evacuating senators within yards. I mean, it was probably, what, 30 yards, just the other direction. It was nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, by using himself as bait against a mob. That's amazing. And Goodman is a hero. 46 months, the prosecutors want. I imagine the judge could possibly, Judge Beryl Howell, could possibly give a little bit of a downward departure for his participation and and cooperation with the January 6th committee. But the government is asking her not to. So we will see what happens. Um, There was no cooperation agreement here. He just he just pled guilty to all of it. So we'll see if that remorsefulness and cooperation with the committee does anything for the 46 month sentence. I'm guessing he'll probably get like 34 to 36 months. That's usually about how these things go. Well, I sure the hell hope it's longer than a year at home. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. No, we just want to go back home. Can we just go home? 
Um, I know. Now, Dana, uh, there's a lot of speculation rolling around with regards to whom leaked the vile Alito decision overturning Roe and Casey. Indeed. And with the right wing's penchant for accusing others of that which they are guilty. Mm -hmm. And with the clear understanding that the leak is not the story here. I tend to believe it was a conservative that was responsible for the leak. Now, although the early revelations of the thinking of the Christo-fascist justices, although that does give us a non-zero chance of changing the outcome through our First Amendment freedoms to redress grievances and peaceably protest, there is someone close to the court that has a history of leaking decisions and their deliberations early. Do tell. I shall. Back in 2012, the venerable SCOTUS reporter Nina Totenberg spoke to Bloomberg Law about the Supreme Court's decision on the Affordable Care Act and a series of reporting on the deliberations based on leaks from court insiders. She was quoted to Bloomberg as saying that those leaks, quote, could be a justice, could be a law clerk, could be the spouse of a justice, unquote. So from a Salon article in July of 2012, Totenberg goes on to say that, of course, she never tries to learn the identities of other reporter sources, but that's still an interesting bit of fairly specific speculation there. Indeed. (laughs) Of course, there is only one spouse of a justice that anyone has ever heard of, and that's Ginny Thomas. Now, back then, it was suspected that Ginny leaked the deliberations about the ACA decision because she was angry about the SCOTUS decision to uphold the ACA. So you might say, well... She's probably not angry about the Alito decision. Why would she leak it, right? Does that mean she's angry about Alito's majority draft opinion? Or could it be she's angry about subsequent deliberations? Remember, this draft was written in February. Right. The Washington Post reported this weekend that there were intense deliberations between the conservative justices, not the libs versus the conservatives, among the conservative justices about this decision. There were intense deliberations. So it appears we have leaks to the press about the deliberations, much like we had leaks about the ACA deliberations from possibly Ginny Thomas. Quote, the fact that Justice Samuel Alito Jr. authored the draft is a sign that Clarence Thomas, who is the senior on the court, the court's longest serving member, the only one to write that he would overturn Roe. It seems like he asserted his seniority to choose who would get the job to write the decision. So it's probably Thomas's decision to give it to Alito. In Alito's more than 16 years on the Supreme Court, he has supported every government restriction on abortion that has come before him. The Post goes on to say there's also reason to believe Roberts has not given up. Many who know him well have watched his maneuvering of the court through other issues, and they're certain he's still preparing his own opinion in hopes he might draw at least one of the other court's newer conservatives to his side. Such an outcome might save 1973's Roe and the subsequent affirming 1992 decision, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, while severely limiting their protections, but keeping them in place. And get this, the leaked draft of Alito's opinion, like I said, dated February 10th, is almost surely now obsolete as justices have had time to offer critiques, dissents, revisions, and deliberate. But as of last week, the five-member majority to strike Roe remains intact, according to three conservatives close to the court who spoke to the Post on the condition of anonymity. Otherwise, who leaked the deliberations to the Washington Post? (laughs) The Washington Post goes on to say a person close to the court's most conservative members says Roberts told his fellow jurists in a private conference in early December that he planned to uphold the state law and write an opinion that left Roe and Casey in place for now. 
But the other conservatives were more interested in an opinion that overturned the precedents. That's what this one person told the Washington Post about the deliberations. So a person close to the court's most conservative members leaking deliberations by telling the Post that Roberts planned to leave Roe in place. Who would be angry about Roberts' position? Who has a history of leaking SCOTUS deliberations to the press going back to the ACA? Who would want to leak Alito's draft to make it next to impossible for Roberts to convince Gorsuch or Barrett or Kavanaugh to vote with the liberals, as reported by yep. the Wall Street Journal? Someone else, someone close to conservatives on the court, leaked to, I mean, spoke to. There's only one person close to Thomas that would be mad enough about deliberations to leak them. That's Ginny Thomas. So if Roberts wants an investigation, he should start there. Absolutely. And I've been saying this since we saw this draft. Because I, I think that's exactly what happened, because one of the conservatives actually said publicly that they would be open to public opinion on this for deliberations. Mm -hmm. But now, and I said this before, if one of them flips, then they get to do the whole thing where they, you know, accuse us of doing what they've always done. Who got to that justice? Who bribed him from a Democratic area? Mm -hmm. Who gave him mm -hmm. money? Who or her money? Which is what they did because they bought the seat. And that person would also be a target. So, exactly. So I am with you, AG. I, I, I think our beans are there, but we'll see. It'd be interesting because if they're going to find it, let's 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 hope they do. But it'd be interesting to see if they announce it, if it is Ginny. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, yeah. It may protect her again. Mm -hmm. All right. So last story in this segment, the January 6th Select Committee is moving to sharply narrow its legal battle with attorney John Eastman, the architect of the former guy's last-ditch bid to overturn the 2020 election as it prepares to unveil the findings of its 10-month investigation. Although Eastman continues to shield more than 20,000 pages of records related to his work for Trump, the committee now says it's focused on obtaining just 3,000 of them before it launches public hearings in June and is urging a federal judge to quickly review the documents released to investigators. The select committee will drop its efforts to obtain another 14,000 pages and indefinitely postpone its request for any others. And that's from House General Counsel Doug Letter. He said that in a court filing late Friday. The panel's decision to drop its objections to the vast majority of Eastman's attorney-client privilege claims follows Eastman's own decision to relent on more than 15,000 pages of records, which he provided to the select committee on Monday. Those documents helped inform the committee's decision to narrow the fight. This is a quote. The select committee's need for the documents at issue has only become more significant in light of its review of the documents produced and as the select committee prepares to present the conclusions of its investigation to the public through hearings scheduled to begin in June 2022 and forthcoming reports. And that's what Letter wrote. Now, the battle over these 3,000 pages marks the culmination of one of the two most significant legal odysseys the committee has undertaken. In another landmark legal fight, the committee prevailed over the former guy himself. It prevailed over Donald who sued to prevent the National Archives from releasing thousands of pages of his White House records to investigators. But the Supreme Court ultimately shut down Donald's fight, and the archives have provided reams of crucial evidence since January. Now, the committee's effort against Eastman has been lengthier and more complicated. It began in January when the committee subpoenaed Chapman University, that's Eastman's former employer, for 90,000 pages of Eastman's emails. Now, Eastman sued to prevent Chapman from complying, and the suit landed before U.S. District Court Judge David Carter. So Carter quickly made it clear that he believed the urgency of the select committee's work and ordered Eastman to review 1,500 pages of emails per day to lodge any claims of attorney-client privilege. 
That's when Eastman was like, it's too many. He also granted the committee's request to prioritize a review of emails sent between January 4th and January 7th of 2021. Now, in landmark decision in March, Carter ruled that Eastman and Donald likely engaged in a criminal conspiracy to overturn the election, with Eastman using his legal theories to launder Donald's attempt to subvert the Constitution. Now, since that ruling, everyone, the committee has continued to battle with Eastman over more than 35,000 pages of emails related to his work with Donald that stretched from November 3rd of 2020 to January 3rd of 2021. Now, Eastman agreed last month to share more than 15,000 of those pages with the committee in light of Carter's previous ruling, but he maintained the remaining 20,000 were covered by attorney-client privilege. Now, the select committee is asking Carter to review about 3,000 of those pages for immediate release. And if Eastman objects, the panel has laid out a rapid fire schedule to resolve the dispute by end of May, leaving time to review and analyze the documents before the panel launches its public hearings. And that we said that I believe it was set for June. Is that right, AJ? June 9th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it's interesting because in that Donald Trump lawsuit against the National Archives, he still hasn't dropped the lawsuit, even though the committee has all this shit, right? So basically, right. he he filed for an emergency stay while he was appealing. And the Supreme Court was like, no, we're not giving you a stay. Everything has to go over. And so everything went over. But that his under underlying appeal still exists. He hasn't dismissed it. And it's moot because you can't ask for the documents back. And so there was a filing that was due from the House committee on May 5th. And the lawyers all got together, including Trump's lawyer, and says, can we just extend this 60 more days so that they don't have to waste their time writing a an answer to a lawsuit that is pointless. And uh, the judge is like, yeah. And so all the parties agreed. <laughs> and Donald was probably like, I didn't say that. But dude won't dismiss his stupid pointless lawsuit. So that's just a procedural thing. Everyone sort of freaked out when when they found out that uh, they agreed, you know, that the House agreed to postpone another 60 days. But they aren't postponing getting the documents. They already have them. They're just postponing responding to a stupid lawsuit that shouldn't exist anymore. Anyway, I just want to clear that up. We'll be right back with the host of the Care Talk podcast, which is a podcast on the MSW Media Network. Her name is Laura Packard. She's amazing. And uh, we're going to discuss Roe. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Today's beans are brought to you by Helix Sleep. Sleep is important for your physical and mental well-being. And I used to struggle with it. We all need adequate sleep to function. And I had insomnia. I would toss and turn. There were night sweats. I couldn't fall asleep and I couldn't stay asleep. Tossing and turning night after night was nearly impossible to function most days. But for years, I thought it was anxiety or maybe stress. But as it turns out, I was sleeping on a mattress designed for somebody else. And that's when Helix came to the rescue. I took their quick online sleep quiz at helixsleep.com dailybeans. And they matched me with the Helix Midnight because I am a side sleeper and I like a medium firm mattress. And it's the perfect mattress for me. Now I've had my Helix for a while now and I can finally fall asleep fast, stay asleep throughout the night. And I wake up feeling refreshed and alert. They have a variety of mattresses available, soft, medium, firm, body temperature regulating, plus-size mattresses for plus-size sleepers. Their online quiz takes a couple of minutes to complete. They'll match you with the perfect mattress that will give you the best night's sleep of your life. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews and was the number one overall mattress pick in GQ and Wired Magazine in 2020. Leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine recommend Helix to improve your sleep. There's free shipping, a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it for 100 sleeps risk-free. They'll even come and pick it up for you, and you get a refund if you don't like it. Plus, there's financing options available, and right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. 
That's H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash daily beans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm honored to be joined today to discuss the leaked majority opinion from SCOTUS about striking down Roe. I'm going to talk about that with the executive director of Healthcare Voter and friend of mine, Laura Packard. Hello, Laura. Hello. So I wish when we spoke, we spoke under better circumstances. It's always when, (laughs) although I do think the last time you came on, we talked about the record number of people signing up for the Affordable Care Act. And that continues. And we're coming up on an anniversary with that. And there are some things that are going to be impacted with this overturning of Roe, the looming overturning of Roe, unless we can change it, Mm -hmm. unless we can get them to change their minds between now and June. What are you following up with and how are you looking at healthcare through this lens with Healthcare Voter? Well, I'm not always the bearer of bad news, just most of the time. (laughs) So the leaked uh, opinion from the Supreme Court is a draft opinion. So it is not final. We will get a final opinion probably in June. I don't know that it's very likely that anybody's going to change their mind, but uh, at least now we have some warning so that we can pressure the members of the Supreme Court to change their mind. For example, good old Brett Kavanaugh that said that he believed in settled law and Susan Collins believed so firmly in what he said. And yeah, we all saw this coming but not Susan Collins. No, of course not. But her brow was too furrowed, so she couldn't see really. But yeah, I mean, we've never had an opportunity to see an opinion or a potential opinion before it becomes official. So if this opinion had just come out, we would have zero chance of changing it. And now it's a very slim chance, Mm -hmm. but it's a non-zero chance. And I think that that's why it's so important that we are talking about this. So how how does this impact I'm, I mean, it impacts so many things. So let's just start with how, how, again, through that lens, how you're viewing it with healthcare voter. Well, it sounds like the Senate is going to have a vote next week on the Women's Health Protection Act, which would in, enshrine the rights of people to have an abortion. And the House already passed it. So it's the Senate's turn. I don't think anybody thinks that it's going to get through because Republicans are, of course, going to filibuster it. And uh, there are not 50 votes to change the filibuster rules, not yet. So uh, sounds like the Senate's going to vote and the vote is going to fail due to the filibuster. Even if Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski were willing to vote for the act itself, they are not going to vote to overturn the filibuster. So it's sort of a, a moot point. Right. But I mean, it doesn't mean we shouldn't have the vote to get everybody on the record and use that against them in the upcoming primaries, or at least some of them that are are running again. And also, I mean, even if you look down the road further, there's nothing stopping this Supreme Court from gutting and striking down that law when and it would get up to the Supreme Court. Right. But that's not a reason not to do it. Right. Right. And so like what what we think will happen is the Senate will vote next week. It will fail. The Supreme Court is probably going to do what they've signaled that they're going to do and overturn Roe versus Wade. And then the consequences of that is about half the states have laws already on the books making abortion illegal, or they have trigger laws that will come into play once the court acts. So 
big swaths of the country, women will no longer have a right to an abortion, probably in June. And the conservative electeds and so on in these various states are, are planning to take action immediately once the Supreme Court rules. So to, to take, make it take immediate effect. And it isn't always the states that you would think, like uh, where I'm from, Michigan has a law in the books making abortion illegal. And that hasn't been a factor in decades, but it would come back into effect. So it isn't just the Alabamas and the Mississippis of the world that you might think would make abortion illegal. There's a whole bunch of what are considered swing states have laws on the books. So this will impact millions of people immediately. And oddly, well, not oddly, the Republicans don't seem to want to comment on the content of the leaked decision. They just want to comment on the fact that they're mad that it was leaked, even though I think they probably are the ones who did it. But we don't know. I know. And I know that Justice Roberts has called for an investigation, uh, not into anyone lying to Congress about this, not into 4,500 tips about Brett Kavanaugh, not into Ginny Tom, one of one of the Supreme Court justices wife participating in a coup. Not that, but this particular leak, which, by the way, unless it was like stolen or there was some sort of hacking or obstruction is not illegal. Mm hmm. Well, it seems like Republicans believe strongly in the Supreme Court's right to privacy, but not the rest of us. Right. And and they obviously don't want to touch this because 80 percent of the country supports that, you know, Roe v. Wade stay in, in place. They are the dog that caught the car, mm-hmm. so to speak. So now we're coming up on an, a couple of anniversaries here. Let's talk about the Affordable Care Act and, and some other things that need to be shored up in order to mitigate the impact of what's coming? Mm -hmm. Well, on Wednesday, May 4th, that was the fifth year anniversary of Republicans in the U.S. House voting to repeal the Affordable Care Act. Then they had a big old party afterwards to celebrate. So it's not that long ago that legislation even passed the House to destroy the ACA. And, uh, you know, by one vote in the Senate by John McCain, the law was saved. But if they take control of uh, Congress and the presidency again, this could come back because they are not done attacking our health care, not by a long shot. Yeah, and I'm sure it will. They don't seem to care that most America what most Americans want at this point. Uh, they don't want to debate. They don't. They're just fascists now. So they <laughs> policy doesn't matter. They want mm-hmm. to. It seems to me the whole idea is to get in, kill the government make it awful, make it not work, make people tired of it so that it's easier to slide into autocracy. That seems to be the whole goal here. Well, uh, the Republican Party is really concerned about fetuses, but not so much on those of us that are already here. When I was going through chemo, the day after my first chemotherapy appointment was that day five years ago where they voted to strip away my health care. And I'm just one of the many, many people who the Affordable Care Act was saving their lives. Yeah. And, and fetuses also can't talk. So they, they can't be like, <laughs> we don't want your help. <laughs> but if this were about life and women and children, there would be robust health care and prenatal care, postnatal care. We wouldn't have one of the highest infant mortality rates for black women in the world. That wouldn't <laughs> we would have they would be cool about, you know, CHIP 
and feeding kids and educating children if this were about life and if this were about children. So what can we do? How can people get in touch with Healthcare Voter? Because this is now going to be, and it was already going to be, the issue of the midterms. Well, uh, you can go to healthcarevoter.org and sign up for emails and follow us on social media and so on. You can also find me and follow me on social media, Laura Packard. I'm L Packard on Twitter and Laura Packard Activist on Facebook and Instagram. And if there are protests in your area, go to those protests, show that we have the numbers, write a letter to the editor, make sure that your opinions are known, put it on social media so your friends see it. The Supreme Court is difficult to pressure because they are very cloistered. And the Senate, again, is a tough one because of it back back to the issue of the filibuster. This is an excellent time to contact your senators and tell them we need to get rid of the filibuster so that we can do things like protect our bodily autonomy, protect our right to choose. And a lot of it is going to come down to what happens this November. So if you are as outraged as I am that they are attacking our healthcare again and again and again. And now they're, they're, they're going to destroy reproductive healthcare in half the country. Then you got to get out and vote. Yeah. And raise your voice between now and June, because we have that non-zero, very, very slim, but non-zero chance that we could influence the court's decision. Mm -hmm. Because if, if Roberts votes with the liberals and can bring Gorsuch with him, then we win 5-4. I don't, I don't want anyone to get their hopes up. But again, it's a non-zero chance. And now is the time to let them know what we think about this. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you believe that Kavanaugh should stand up for what he said before and respect prior decisions, then you should certainly be contacting your uh, senators and so on. And probably the best way to pressure a Supreme Court justice, assuming that you don't, they're not their next door neighbor, would be write something publicly, you know, write something on social media to your friends and family and neighbors, uh, but consider writing a letter to your local paper and talk about how important Roe versus Wade and our reproductive rights are to you. Yeah, 100%. And they all said, they all told Congress under stare decisis that Roe is settled. They all lied. So anyway, thank you so much for your time today. And we will continue to talk as the midterms approach and we will have new and interesting ways to get involved and be active for everyone that everyone can have access to. So thank you so much. Everybody check out healthcarevoter.org. Laura Packard, I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everyone. Today's show is brought to you by Dame. Discover your pleasure with Dame's thoughtfully engineered toys. Dame offers discreet shipping, hassle-free returns, and a whole lot of fun. One of my favorite toys is their flexible vibrator called the Palm. Palm is soft and flexible with a body that bends to your needs and contours to your shape. Palm covers solid Volvo real estate and has five different intensities, so you can relax the way that best suits you. I love it. Plus, it's waterproof and it's made out of medical-grade silicon, which means you can take it with you wherever you want to go. The design is amazing. It comes in five different patterns, nests right inside of your hand, and it's easy to use. It's incredible. Try it out, and you will be so happy to discover your new favorite way to relieve stress. Dame offers a wide variety of toys and products designed for both couples or so you can put your pleasure into your own hands. Get 10% off your first order at dameproducts.com 
when you use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout. You'll be glad you did. Hey, I'm Ben Micellis. I'm Brett Micellis. And I'm Jordy. And we are the hosts of the Midas Touch podcast, the top-rated, top-watched political podcast for pro-democracy content. Each week, we do multiple episodes where we break down the political issues of the day here in the United States and abroad as we fight for democracy. Isn't that right, Brett? That's right, Ben. We've had conversations with some incredible guests like White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain, Beto O'Rourke, DNC Chair Jamie Harrison, Glenn Kirshner, Mary Trump, celebrities like Deborah Messing, Alyssa Milano, Michael Rappaport, and more. So subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast wherever you get your podcast. That's the the Midas Touch, M-E-I-T-A-S-T-O-U-C-H podcast. Jordy, anything to add? Shout out to the Midas Mighty. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news. It's on the way. And if you have any good news or corrections or confessions or be stories or pet photos or anything you want to send happy place photos uh what your weird superpower is mine is just adding things to my calendar instead of learning how to delete them you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact <laughs> just stick a post-it note on my, my superpower is buying groceries especially produce and having them go bad because i think i'm going to eat things before i travel again it's awful i'm a horrible human being i do that too i also have this superpower of whenever i move i don't do the dishes i just throw them away and buy new dishes when i get there it's oh so my bad. god i know but they're like nine dollars you know from costco so whatever <laughs> it's like is it worth nine dollars to do the dishes that's one of the funniest things i've ever heard. i'm so bad i'm a bad person <laughs> You're a good person. You want to get us started with the first submission? <laughs> first submission from Anonymous, pronoun she and her. Greetings, beans, queens. First, the good news. About a month ago, I discovered two new-to-me podcasts on your network that bring me a tremendous amount of joy. They are Frangel is the Final Word and Idiot yes. of the Week. I can't recommend them highly enough. I'm now a patron of both the Beans and Frangela because you ladies are all freaking wonderful. Also in the good news category, I've been organizing a small group of close friends who are planning to attend one of the women's march rallies on the 14th in response to the SCOTUS abortion draft. We are ready to show up and be heard. Also, I've made something that I want to share. It's a lined tote bag made of denim and a canvas dog themed print. The bag is a gift for a very dear friend, and I can't wait to give this to her. Thanks for all you do. Without this podcast, I'd be far less informed. Your work is incredibly important, and I appreciate you. Sending love. Look at the look how cute that tote bag is. Oh my god! I love that the wiener dogs got like spectacles. Yeah. Not a bunch of these have spectacles. The poodle. Look at the poodle. Oh, oh. Randy Rainbow glasses on the poodle. Oh my god, it. so good. That's beautiful, and I like the denim tone. Anonymous. This is adorable. I feel like you could sell a lot of these. Yeah, and the way that it's stitched up there in the denim, that's going to be really durable. It's going to last a really long time. Totally. All right. This next one's from Bridget. Pronouns she and her. Hi ho, Leguminati. I love your podcast and have listened for something like five years since the MSW beginnings. No one understands my obsession with justice porn the way you do. <laughs> Thank you for learning the correct pronunciation of Tommy Tuberville's last uh, name. Tuberville. I know. Yeah, okay. Tuberville. <laughs> yeah, it's like tub, like tub of lard rather than tube. <laughs> so I shall start over. Not with an edit. I just want to do it right. Thank you for learning the correct pronunciation of Tommy Tuberville. It just, I think we didn't pronounce it that way because it sounded like we were fat shaming without acts like meaning to. Well, 
But now that I know it's Tuberville, I don't feel bad saying it. And it's spelled like tuber, like a tuber, like a root. Exactly. Like a tuber, you know, like a tuber. <laughs> um, and Bridget went on to say, I know this because I'm born and raised in, as an Alabamian with a degree in violin performance. Nice. From the University of Alabama with a lifetime of experience hating our rival Auburn and their former coach, Tommy Tuberville. I just want you to correctly hate him the way we do. <laughs> I love hearing you all. Attached my pet tax is my Japanese Coturnix quail. Oh my God. Marshmallow. Oh my God. First of all, Bridget, you're adorable. I know. Secondly, the fact that you have a Japanese Coturnix. I don't know if that's how you say this. Coturnix? A quail. No, no, quail. And the name marshmallow is marshmallow. equally as adorable. Yes. A pet quail. That's I don't think we've ever had a pod pet quail. No. That's beautiful. I mean, we've had a <laughs> I feel like he was a pet. Vice president, but yeah. <laughs> potato. He's a tuber. Yeah, he's a tuber. Okay, it all comes back to people. We're all, it all comes back to the beginning. It all comes back to tubers. Karen and Eugene pronoun she and her. Dear beans, dear queens, oh beans. I am inventing new forms of COVID endemic oracies. Following oracies, oracies. Oh, I get it. I yeah. get it. I am inventing new forms of COVID endemic oracies. Following up from my last good news update, when I decided to volunteer for a local campaign, I recently went out door knocking for the first time in two years. I am experienced in door knocking and community organizing, so I was caught off guard by the instant wave of anxiety that met me at the first door. I did a bunch of self-talk and calming breath techniques, but still had to quit after only six doors to avoid a full-blown anxiety attack. I considered getting a full set of PPE equipment to continue going to doors, but I'm in an upscale neighborhoods where somebody will certainly call the police. <laughs> <laughs> I also contemplated getting a can of Lysol to spray on people when they open the doors, but decided that might backfire with a persuasion campaign. <laughs> so I texted the campaign organizer and apologized for my post-pandemic neurosis. Turns out he had the same experience when he first started knocking doors for this campaign. He encouraged me to continue with canvassing at whatever pace I needed to go at. As cognitive behavioral techniques had failed me on my first attempt, I decided to bring out the big guns, food. I am now organizing my routes so they end at restaurants or food carts. <laughs> my last two outings have been about guacocracy, doing a taste test comparison of chips and guac at two local Mexican food restaurants. Tomorrow, I will either continue with guacocracy, checking out the chips and guac at a third Mexican restaurant, or may branch out into coughocracy or smoothieocracy at the local cafe. I hope others find this strategy of foodocracy useful in these challenging times when we're combating both COVID and fascism. Thank you for your wonderful reporting and for this awesome community. Fight and eat on. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Amen to that. All right. I just read the first three lines of this next one and my insides got teary. This is for Matt. No pronouns given. Good morning, Beans Queens. I lost my Chewini Thor two weeks ago. He passed peacefully in my arms. He was loved to honor my little guy, my family has sponsored adoption fees for seven senior dogs and two senior cats at Ventura Animal Shelter in Camarillo, California. Good news, three have found their forever homes. We are going to sponsor a few senior animals a month until we get ready to adopt. I'm scheduled to start volunteering. Pet tax is Thor, my void kitty, and this chonk <laughs> that needs a home. Thank you for all you do. Matt, thank you so much for this. Oh my God. Okay. Thor. Look at this scarf on this tweenie. Oh, look at Thor. Aww. And look at the void kitty. Oh, fluffy butt. Oh my gosh, what a floof. All right, now let's see this chonker available. 
Oh my God. This is Callie at, Ventura, at Ventura Camarillo Animal Shelter, number A794292. Look at this baby. So, so cute. Thanks for sending that in. And thanks for uh, sponsoring these pets, Matt. That's so amazing. And again, much love about Thor and hugs. Yeah. Next up from June, pronoun she and her. Hi, leaders of the Leguminati. I wrote a few weeks ago about my sobriety reward improv class. Yes, thank you for your advice, which I took in with me to class tonight. I was crazy nervous, but it was so fun. I can't wait to go back next week. All you beanie babies out there, if you're thinking if you should take a chance on something new, the answer is yes. And LOL. (laughs) Well done, June. Well done with the yes and. That's awesome. Nice. All right. We're going to wrap it up with Kevin from New Hampshire. Pronouns he and him. Dear AG and fellow Leguminati, I'm pleased to submit for your amusement and or horror yet another alternate version of your Beans podcast theme song. This time, I do so as a proud new Daily Beans podcast patron. thank you. You may notice I've taken some liberties in mashing up Good Save the Queen. I think that should be God Save the Queen. I think it's got to be God. Okay. (laughs) God Save the Queen and Pretty Vacant from Sex Pistols for the backing track and did my best to channel Johnny Rotten. Hope you enjoy Kevin, a.k.a. Eddie Kite. Yep. And here, let's listen. Yes, yes, That's Eddie awesome. Kite. I can hear the God yep. Save the Queen and Pretty Vacant and, and Johnny Rotten. Yes, I can hear it. It's almost like a like a big audio dynamite three. Well done. A lot of very creative and talented listeners we have, my dear. Yes. And do you remember uh, he did the lounge one? You know, the the almost like Richard Cheese, he did the lounge version of the beans. It was so good. Oh. So thank you for sending those, Kevin. I look forward to more in the future. If anybody else wants to rewrite the Beans theme, feel free to do so. Send it in to us. And anything else you want to send us for the good news segment at dailybeanspod.com, just click on contact and there you have it. Dana, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? No final thoughts for today. Okay. Well, I hope everyone had a wonderful Mother's Day and thoughts with everyone. And, you know, if you had, if you, didn't get along with your mom or you don't have a mom or you're a single dad or you're non-binary, happy parents day. Everyone just, I hope you had a wonderful weekend with family and uh, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health and vote blue over Q. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>